I choose, because everything is a conscious choice, we have free will. If I choose to show up in the love that I am, that my soul knows that I am, how does that shift my life? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Being Inspired Radio Show. My name is Amanda Johnson, your host, and I am back today with a fantastic a fantastic guest. I mean, I know that even before she says a word because of who she is, how she shows up in the world, the few interactions that we have already had with one another, uh, I know that you are in for a real treat as we have a, an inspired conversation about all things love, in the name of love, actually. So my guest today is Erica Riesberg. Erica has since childhood been a curious one. She connected deeply with animals and land at a young age. And when she was 12, she received guidance that she would get a PhD and then set on a quest to obtain it. She was always curious about what the other was and why there was a separation between men and women. She didn't get it. She spent 14 years in college uncovering culture, what prompted revolutions, and the nuances of radio programming to try to understand humanity at a deeper level. She didn't know this at the time, but this was her soul's calling, to uncover what connects all of us and share what she's learned to help others. When she turned 40, her father died from a staph infection incurred while dealing with pancreatitis. That sent her on a spiritual quest. She upended her job to start her passion of storytelling as a voiceover talent. Three and a half years ago, she had another awakening. Following a meditation that focused on healing the wounds from the Paris bombings in 2015, she took a vow of peace. She didn't know what that meant other than to eliminate violence from her life. For six months, she divested herself of movies, literature, and music that were her staples, all of which had elements of violence. As she tuned in more to her inner knowing, she's found that she's been drawn to more sustainable living. She's also found her food choices have shifted dramatically, and she is currently almost all plant-based. She developed the podcast, All Things in the Name of Love, as a way to share her journey and the spiritual journeys of others to help her listeners on their path of self-discovery. And this is why I am excited to have Erica as my guest today. Erica, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. It's so much fun to hear you read that. Oh my gosh, I was like, really, that's me, wow. <laughs> I know, you, 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 found, you sound amazing, I, right? I mean, you do, because you are, and it's so fun to hear people read about us, right? Yeah, thank you. Oh, you are so welcome. It is a pleasure to have you on the show, and everyone out there listening, again, you are in store for all the stuff we just I just rattled off. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to hear a little bit more of it now. So with that setting the stage, Erica, I love to ask each of my guests a very simple and yet not always easy question, because I, I truly believe that every single one of us here on this planet are here for a purpose. We have, as you say in your bio, a soul's calling. We have something that we are here to do, to share, to be, uh, to offer. And for me, it was a few years ago where I was pointed to looking at the why of things. So the question I will ask you is, why do you do what you do? Hmm. Yes, a seemingly simple question. <laughs> okay, why I do what I do? Well, it's never been a conscious um, 
choice, I'll say. It's, it's been like this knowing. Um, I have always been curious about this. Why am I somehow different than somebody else? Why is it not cool to talk to trees? Why is it, it what's the separation here that I don't see that I'm supposed to get? Um, and and that, that started at a really young age. Um, when I was about three or four, uh, we had a cabin in Connecticut on a little lake and that was my grandfather's and we went down and there was a gaggle of geese that felt me and they surrounded me. And I was just hanging with them and talking to them. My parents were freaking out because, you know, oh my gosh, our daughter is stuck in geese. And you know, Canadian geese are kind of aggressive, right? Well, I was one of them. They sensed that. And I sensed it too. And I didn't, and, and as I grew older, I still sensed it. And everybody told me that I was weird. And so I slowly shut that down. And it just never made sense. So when I, decided, when I got the guidance that I was going to get a PhD, I sat as my 12-year-old self was like, what the hell would I like to get anything in? And it was history because I love studying us, you know, in different time periods. And, and what makes, like, what is it that is fundamental about humanity that, that, that connects us and divides us because I never got the division. It never made sense. It still doesn't make sense to me because it's an illusion. Yes. I love that. So for, yeah, perfect pause because this is like ah, the, the, the illusion of separation, right? We're all born into it. And I, I have chills even right now with this, this realization or this experience of you as a very young child. I think many of us, at least I can speak for myself, we're born into this world, into this human form, boom, immediately we feel separate. We still feel separate from our mother. We feel separate from the divine. We feel however we want to talk about our, my illusion of separation was I was unwanted as a kid. And so I went my whole life trying to reclaim my wantedness. And, and for you, it's like you almost hearing your story, it's like you almost got to still experience that at a very young age, this, this deep connection to all that is, a gaggle of geese, a tree, a whatever, right? Um, and what a gift. And then I imagine what a, what a horror to then go, go through this life and face all of pe these people and ideologies and belief systems and structures and paradigms that are saying, nope, we're not one with everything. We are indeed separate. Look how different we all are. And then how fascinating that you essentially then spent your life studying that. Oh, I think it's mm -hmm. just divine. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Because it just, you know, for me, I see like, you know, when I got my PhD, I studied cultural history. Uh, the, theory, the theoretical discipline of it is recognizing that I have um, socioeconomic educational conditioning that, that creates a lens through which I see the world. What this discipline um, enabled me to do was recognize that and 
put it out there saying, hey, this is the lens through which I see the world. Help me see yours so I can understand you better. Because the, the theoretical discipline is that because we all have these biases, um, we create a culture. And it's either from top down or from the or, or with the top down and the bottom up co-creating something out of that top down thing. And academically, I actually proved that, that the, the latter discipline was like, it's not a top down thing. It's like we create these things. And, and so that was an amazing journey of like, oh my gosh, I actually figured this out. And then it was like, okay, how do I apply it in my life? How do I connect with someone that's seemingly different than me in a way that I can hear them and they can hear me? Yes. And then adding the spiritual component to it, it's like, oh, okay, let me see you. Let me namaste. I see the divinity in you as I see it within myself. And from there... I can get to a much deeper level of understanding of what that illusion is so I can create that commonality, that connection, that reality that we are all connected. Okay, this is brilliant because that's, that's the thing, Erica, right? We go from, and maybe those listening have or have yet to know this for themselves, that there is this illusion of separation. Okay, great. So, you know, we, we go through life actually believing we are really all separate. It's an us versus them world. It's a black and it's a white and it's all these things. Well, mm -hmm. at some point we come across this understanding or revelation of, oh, wait, we're all one? Okay, great concept, great theory. So now it sounds like you have actually taken the, a very practiced theoretical discipline of, of study and dissertation and that so that you can start to put this into practice in your life, which to me is profound because there is the one, for me, there's the, the, the knowing, the intellectual knowing of something, and then there's the experiential knowing. There's the, let me live this out. Let me be the example. So let's, can we go into that? What, what yeah. does that look like? So how do we put this into the theory into practice? So this is, this is a really great example. Um, so last year, uh, because I was missing having a dog, cause we can't have dogs where we live. I walk dogs part time. And in a couple instances, the dogs would walk me to a homeless person. Just they would sense something and then I would show up behind the dog and I'd start talking to them and I started to see their humanity. And I would connect with them on a, on a spiritual level because the dog opened that, that window because, you know, if, if someone loves a dog, and I'm not saying that, that everyone loves dogs because there's fear, but the people who love dogs are, like, there's just, like, it's, it's an opening. And so if the dog accepts you, then I have to accept you. That's just my, that's my, it's like, okay, I, I trust dogs' instincts very much. They're very intuitive and they are very empathetic and they get people much deeper than we do. So if the dog is like, hey, this one's okay, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to have to go with this. And in one instance, um, 
I started talking to this guy and I actually shared some of my energetic tools with him. And it was at a point where he was just ready to kill himself. And I felt that energy and I felt the energy shift over the conversation to, she saved me. And it was like, that's the application. I mean, yes, I need a dog to to get me past that because, you know, woman walking along, you don't want to walk up to a bunch of homeless people. Um, that would, Because that's the illusion too, is like they're separate. But having that dog as, a, as an opening just is so profound because this, this, this premise that somehow they're different from me is such a freaking lie. They're just in a different socioeconomic position than I am. That's it. They're still human. They're still souls living in a body and they have their own life experiences. And if I can connect with them, maybe I can help them in the next step of their journey. I don't, yeah, I just don't feel that I need to pretend that I'm something better or worse than anyone else. I just am. And they just are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I'm loving this. There's this, um, I love that example. And I know in my own life, there's been this evolution of making eye contact with people. And I don't know if you do this much in your life where I'll walk down the street. I mean, I've lived in San Francisco. I've lived in New York. I've, you know, I live in a much smaller town now that people would say is safe, quote unquote. And yet when I mm-hmm. visit places like New York or Venice or wherever I am in the world at the time, I make it a practice, a very intentional practice to make eye contact with as many people as I can, because there is something profound that happens when we look another human, another soul in the eyes and and there is a shift. They cannot be smiling and then they smile or they can mm-hmm. appear a little dangerous or scary and then they look harmless and, and they appear human. I mean, there's, it can happen in an instant. Oh, it does. And, and there's something that you said. You said that it was almost like you used the word love and then you also, you, you were talking about the dog, you know, like if, if the person loves the dog, it becomes an opening. And I said, I almost wanted to say, well, if we just take the dog out of the picture, we now mm-hmm. have, we're left with love and love is an opening. And, mm-hmm. and I know with your, your radio, your, you know, your podcast and your radio show called, you know, all things in the name of love. And for me also, you, you, as far as I can tell, stand for this in terms of your vow for vow of peace and everything else. Can we talk a little bit about then where love comes into this for you, right? So when you say all things in the name of love, I mean, what does that, what does that mean to you? Everything is love. I mean, everything, even the chair I'm sitting on, the microphone I have, um, it's, if we break it down, because I am an intellect too, if we break it down to a quantum level, I am no different than the microphone. I'm not. I have this this three-dimensional perception that I am, but I'm not. So what vibration, because I'm a sound person, I get vibrations. I edit my podcast, so I see the sound going up and down. It's a vibration. 
what vibration do I want to live in, A, and B, how do I want to experience the world as? So if I choose, because everything is a conscious choice, we have free will, if I choose to show up in the love that I am, that my soul knows that I am, how does that shift my life? And that's a daily quest. And it's fascinating because if I slip out of that, because the unconscious loves to let me slip out of that, what happens to me, with, for me, not to me, for me, what happens for me when I slip out of it versus what happens for me when I'm in it? Yeah. And it's this, it's this, it's an experiment. It's fascinating. And I love that love is a frequency. I think a lot of us are like, well, what is this thing called love? And you know, what, what does it mean? And, and your, your explanation now feels so succinct and so simple. It is a vibration. It is a frequency and all things are made up of it. We could, I think, call it anything. I mean, if we wanted to call it gobbledygook, we probably could. We're like, everything is made of gobbledygook and this is what mm-hmm. we're all, but what's beautiful is we choose the word love because it has a resonance. It has a vibration in and of itself. And then for me, what it does is it connects us all. It is, and if we use that point of connection that we have with all things and people and, you know, objects, that is the opening, right? That begins, that is the opening where we can now go, ah, I see you, right? We're the same. I can put the illusion aside. Mm-hmm. The other thing you said that I want to ask a follow-up question on is what your life looks like what is happening for you when you slip out <laughs> of that frequency and vibration of love? Because it happens. That's what we experience on this journey versus what does it look like when you are in it? Can you shoot, paint that picture for us? The most simple and easy to do explanation I can give for you is slowing down. When I slow down, so I have this this amazing opportunity every morning in the summer to have fresh berries in my breakfast for my breakfast, like as a bowl of fresh berries. And I mix them every morning and I slow down and I chew each one. And I experience, I like fully engage my senses in it and I'm present. Now in that instance, I feel so much love. I feel the love for the berries. I feel the love for myself. I feel the love of the experience because I've slowed down. When I'm not in that state, I'm in my formerly normal state of rushing. And I feel like I don't have enough time to do anything. I feel like I have to check the watch or the phone, I guess, because I don't have a watch anymore. but I feel like I'm like putting this, this pressure on myself to, um, to meet some expectation that doesn't matter, but I think it does. So 
when I feel myself getting in that place of the hurried up, I forcibly pull myself back. And if I have that much more presence, I put my hands on my heart and I breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth a few times until I get back into my body. Because that's when you feel like if, if I'm head, if my beautiful head brain is driving me, which it has most of my life because I'm an academic, I'm a, form, I'm a recovering academic. Um, that's when I don't feel what I need to feel love. But if I'm living through my heart space, which is when I slow down and I get fully present, I thank my microphone, I thank the laptop. You know, I, I know these are things that help my life flow and I'm present to that then I can feel it like much, much more and much more fully. Yeah, I love that. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that you are a recovering academic uh, because my <laughs> the question that was percolating uh, was as the academic, as the a woman who I mean, spent years studying uh, the differences the, this, of culture and, and uh, history and, and what makes us who we are and all, you know, all of these fun things, and now you're in this space of, okay, we're all one. I've always known it, but I'm, I'm here again. We're all one. We're all the same. We're all connected. There is no separation. How do you make sense of the world in which we live? This is a pretty big question. And I re- recognize it's big. So mm. take it wherever you want to. But there's this question of, because I know for me how I can uh, make sense of it. But I imagine as an academic, you know, your, your beautiful mind is attempting to make sense of the separation that we do perceive in the world, whether it's war, whether it's violence, the bombings in Paris, you know, whatever it is. What, how do you, how do you uh, face that, navigate that, uh, play with that? Well, um, it's actually more from a spiritual perspective now. Um, what I feel is there's a lot of wounds. There's a lot of people who have no idea how to sit with their wounds and heal them. They don't sit with their little girl, their little boy and say, it's okay, you can be healed. And it's, it's a drive for my podcast to help people awaken to the fact that being quiet, not being distracted is okay. That's when you get to start healing and you know, looking out, if I get triggered by something, I know it's a wound that I'm carrying. So I have spent several, several years, I sigh and think about it, but I mean, it's, it's all good. But several years uncovering those wounds within me so I can get into the core of the love that I am. And that's a personal job. And it shows up in so many ways. It shows up how, in how I eat. It shows up in my sustainability and my composting. It shows up in the fact that I'm a manager for a community garden. It, you know, it's, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm showing up as a connector, as someone who sees the difference and like sees the, the essence of the different souls and tries to give them a space to open up to themselves. So what I love is that you're pointing to this radical self-responsibility and you are, you're pointing to this 
truth that I, I believe in as well, which is the, the, what we see out there is the reflection of what is going on in here. And what, what you're speaking to so eloquently is that many of us, if not, I would say all of us, are healing wounds. And, and the, the more healing we each do of our own wounding, and we know we're wounded because we're triggered, we're in separation, we're in fear, we're in judgment, we're in all these things, the more we address those, and as you have done, taken years, I, I think all of us can go, yep, me too, me too, right? Um, looking at these, revealing these, healing these wounds, then what I'm hearing, without you necessarily saying this next, is that is healing the planet. That is what will yep. eliminate, quote unquote, the, the war, the terror, the, you know, right. separation. Because, because if we're... If we're living in the love that we are and we fully accept ourselves and we fully love ourselves and that's, you know, it's a, it's a process. I'm not, I'm not a guru. <laughs> I'm still on this journey. But if we make a conscious effort to do that every day and stop blaming other people for what is within, um, and I'm sure that's going to trigger a lot of people for me saying that, but, you know, if you have a wound and if you see everyone else doing something to you, guess what? That's a message for you. And so if you heal that, and there are so many tools out there that can help you heal your inner child, your karmic, your, your ancestral stuff, you can heal this. This is not magic. This is available. This is what we're here for in this time of consciousness is to heal these wounds. And if every single person did this, we'd have peace. And that, that's what we all want. We want the self-love and when we have that self-love, and I'm not talking, yes, I love pedicures, I love spas, but the self-love is really showing up for yourself in whatever way that needs to be. And if you do that daily through meditation, through the healing practices, for slowing down and being present, you will have peace. And that's what we, want. That's what we all want. Here's the million-dollar question, Erica. Are you ready for it? I am. I am. If we all want this peace, and I know it's true. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure everyone listening is going to be like, and if they don't acknowledge it, they want it for themselves, they want it in the world, right? So at some point, someone saying, I want peace. Our little 10-year-old selves, I want world peace, right? We all want peace. The question is, why aren't we doing this work then to heal ourselves? What is your take on it? It's so, it's scary. It's so scary. And we think we're going to have to carry this wound. Like, you know, I had this, I had this one childhood memory that has kept me in terror for most of my life. And I'm 50. So, so six months old, I'm put in traction because I have this uh, not fully formed hip. Prior to that, every day my mom had placed me on her chest and sang to me. So I go from this massive, blissful state of just bonding with my mom deeply into traction. I feel betrayal. I feel fear. I feel 
terror and I've avoided it for 50 years because I didn't know it was in there because my subconscious hit it so deeply. And dear God, do I actually want to experience what I was like at six months old and, and feel that? Are you out of your mind? No freaking way. I'm not going to do that because that's terrifying to me. Well, about a month ago, I was with one of my, um, my mentors and she said, we're going to do it. And I was like, what? And she held space for me. She held space for me. And so I started feeling, she's like, okay, we're going to bring you into the actual feeling of your six month old of going from being held by your mom into traction. Oh, fuck. This is really scary. So she, she got me to that point, And for 90 seconds, I was doubled over, sobbing, clenching myself in the most horrible, deep panic, terror, resentment, all of those emotions for 90 seconds. And then it was gone. Every every <laughs> inch of my skin has a million goosebumps on it right now. Like my skin is about to climb off of me because of the profundity and the truth of which you just with which you just spoke. It, it's because as you were talking, I was like right there with you. I knew where you were going. I mean, I, I didn't I just, it, right? Because I've done similar yeah. work and I was waiting for it. And I was, if you didn't say it, I was going to make sure I asked you. Because <laughs> everyone out there listening, if you didn't hear it the two times she already said it, I'm going to say it again. It lasted 90 seconds. A minute and a half. Okay, that's, that's like as long as sitting at a stoplight somewhere, okay? where and yet you had avoided it for 50 years mm -hmm. okay? because and this is why i want i'm like i'm gonna dry i'm gonna be obnoxious about driving this point <laughs> home right now because to me, <laughs> this is it we are you are i think spot on I, you if i had a million dollars i would gift it to you as winning the million dollar question the reason we don't do the work is because we're terrified of what we will find and we don't think we can handle it but guess what we can. We won't know that until we try. And that's why it's just one of those, it is a leap of faith. You gotta have faith or listen to people like us that are like, no, no, really, it's true. It will hurt for a minute. Like that's it. Cause I, I had a similar experience a week, this week myself where I went to some ancestral pain that I was mm. carrying. And it, it, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't even have a memory of it. So I really was like, where is this pain coming from? And yet my mentor held space. There's a, there's also a theme here, people, if you're not picking up on it, that also helps me. And I was able to feel it. I mean, maybe, maybe a minute, maybe 90 seconds, but it was something in there, right? It was, and then it was gone. And I can't tell you how light and open and free I felt, right? And that's mm -hmm. not to mean I will never feel pain again. I imagine Erica, it's not like, oh, okay, never feeling pain again. No. <laughs> if, if we recognize what it really is, then we're not scared to face it the next time. Oh, there's a little something. Let me take a look. Okay, I'm going to feel a little uncomfortable for a minute, a minute and a half. Cool. Then I'm going to go about my day feeling blissed out versus 
unconsciously holding all of this with us and, and living a, 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 a mediocre or very, um, I mean, an existence that just feels so heavy and trapped. I, I could go on obviously for an hour on this. So <laughs> let me, let me give the mic back to you. What else do you want to say about this? Well, you know, the other part to that is judgment because we're conditioned to believe this illusion that we're sinners. Sinners is a human construct. Unconditional love is that. There's no, there's no, if you do this, I will love you. It's just, I love you. So all of those perceptions that we're bad or we're less than or we're not worthy or we did something that's on us and when you recognize that judgment and you and you look at this pain with that reality that you've been judging yourself and then just observe it as opposed to going through the story of the and the judgments and all the emotions that go with it and you just feel it that's where it happens. So good. Yeah, I was actually just reading something recently. And this I love because it goes back to your studies of culture. I mean, what you speak of the original sin, that's the, the very Western, um, you know, Christian faith, right? Or, you know, yeah, Christian um, faith of the, you know, original sin. But every culture and religion has their version of that separation or this this attempting to understand why we feel that way right for us we did we're like oh well it must be because we're sin we're sinners right so that's why we're separate from the divine or whatever um when in reality that was the the man-made or the human-made construct mm-hmm. oh. all right before we shift here i feel like there could still be a little bit in here but i want to kind of like without opening up a whole nother can of worms what have we not yet addressed that you were like oh my gosh i have to make sure i talk about this or what's coming, um, what's coming up? That 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 little vow of peace I took. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let's. That's kind of a big thing. So let's. Yeah. How does that fit into everything we're talking about? Like with the, like what? Uh, well, you know, essentially what it does is, if I want to feel peaceful, I have to get out of me, what is not, what is blocking that peace. So. You know, that's not where I started, but that's where it is now. It's like if I want to be in the state of peace that I know I want at my core, I have to do the work. Do I like doing the work? No. Who likes doing that kind of work? And I know if I don't do that work, I won't have peace. What I'm noticing here too is that, well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's, you know, peace and love feel fairly interchangeable. Would you agree? They are. They are. So as we, and then even as I heard you say, you know, I, I want this state of peace and we go back to what you said earlier. That's what we all want. And if I could even offer, um, and this feels a little like Abraham Hicksy, which I'm not a real Abraham Hicks follower, but I'm like feeling like maybe she's coming in right now or he or <laughs> they or it or whatever. Yeah. Um, is this idea of like when we, wanting for something will still create this illusion that we don't have it or we're, we're lacking, uh, which will then kind of confuse the universe or God or whatever. Um, and so it's, and I'm, I'm attentive to this cause I'm playing with this a lot in my life right now, but I even heard you say that I want peace and I'm like, wait, is there a shift? And maybe you've already experienced it for yourself 
And I'm able to ask you because of what you said that it's, it's not, I want peace, but I am peace. Well, the difference, the difference is when I am in peace, I don't want it. It's when I, when I, when I'm feeling not peace and I want that peace, that's when things get muddled up because I bring that illusion back. It's, it's, it's a habit. And as human beings, it takes, what is it, 28 days for a habit to be formed? And so when I'm in peace, and this is where my academic mind trips me out, is um, I dig. Like, I'm a curious person, and I love learning new things. And then my academic mind kicks in. And then I dig, and I go down rabbit holes, and I try to find stuff that isn't there just because I know something's there, right? It's got to be there. I have to find it. And that's when I get out of that state of peace is when, I'm, when I go from, oh, well, there's something wrong to I must find it. Um, yeah, it's totally. <laughs> so, so, go ahead. I was going to say, because you, you, in your beautiful bio, we speak to a few of these, what you did for the vow of peace, and, and I'll, I'll ask a follow-up, but what, one thing I want to really highlight is, for me, you know, the opposite of peace is violence. I mean, that could be one opposing idea or concept, and so I love how it, this is going back to everything we've said so far, which is when we are in that state of love for ourselves, for everything around us, there, there is no space for violence. And, and even mm-hmm. when we talk about looking at our wounds, there's this, there could be judgment, there could be blame, there could be shame. All, and for me, that is all of an act of violence toward ourselves or toward others, right? So um, even just looking at some of the maybe more nuanced examples. So um, yeah, so, so yeah, how are you... What would you say is in terms of what, here's what I want to know. Cause I think we could literally talk for another hour about the valve. Piece, but here's what I want to know. Is right. What would like either, what has been your major? Cause how, tell us how many years it's been. You took about piece. How many years? Ago? Three and a half. Okay. Three and a half. So in the last three and a half years, what would you say has been either your most um, biggest aha takeaway? Like what did you, what did this vow show you or teach you the most or maybe what surprised you the most i'm going to give you lots of variations on this question okay so what surprised me the most is after stepping into this the myriad of ways that i hadn't and have shifted myself into a more peaceful life. Like an example would be, um, I used to eat burgers like weekly, bi-weekly. And when I was a kid, I ate roast beef several times a week. Um, and about five years ago, my body's like, no, you're done. Burger? No, you're done. And my stomach would start hurting. And I was like, well, maybe it's the gluten. So I took out the gluten and and that helped and body was like yeah that was yeah no gluten either but no beef and and you know my soul's telling me this like my body is just telling me what my soul wants i'm like but beef well i've done that with coffee i've done that with sugar gluten soy corn two months ago chicken two weeks ago fish now, this is not, and, oh, and dairy and alcohol. 
Uh, alcohol has been 20 years, so I don't really remember that I don't drink alcohol because it's just like not part of my existence. But um, so, so with each, I'm like, what is it, seven or eight food groups, right? I'm thinking I can't eat anything because that's my ego. That's my mind saying there's nothing to eat. Well, no, there's actually a heck of a lot to eat. It's just that I didn't think there was because I didn't eat it. Um, so that, and and that's not... That's not because I want to be plant-based. It's because my soul knows that that's not violent. Um, my shopping, I went to get a pair of sandals recently, and, and my partner, Stephen, said, uh, leather? And I said, I can't. So, and this is not something I chose when I just divested myself of books and you know, I was reading Clive Cussler and go watching James Bond films and you know they're not particularly violent but there's violence in them and it hurt like I got so overwhelmed because our society is so overwhelming that I just had to do something I just I can't do this anymore and so what's unfolded from that is just all these little ways like, okay, what's the next thing? Well, I'm going to order tea that's loose leaf because I don't want to cut down more trees. Do I, I, it's not like a, this is my laundry list of things that I'm doing to create as little pieces I can, but that's just what's evolved out of it because I'm being more aware of my impact on the world and how I show up for it. Beautiful. Well said, well articulated. And I love how it just, it, to me, it, it kind of tied the whole thing up. Right. Um, and what I, what I will offer before we shift gears is, is for everyone listening. I, what I, I find so beautiful about your valve piece is it's in the small things. It's in these little ways. And, and I think for so many of us, we can get lost or consumed by this, belief that it needs to be big. You know, if I'm taking about peace, it means I'm not going to argue with my partner. I mean, well, that that's part of it, but like there's all these other small things we can be doing. So uh, I, I appreciate you for being the inspiration for that. And anyone listening might now have a new, a new perspective, a new idea. And, and again, it's what is our soul asking us to do? How is our soul asking us to be more at peace with ourselves, with others? And how can we come back and be more coming from that place of love. Because for what I heard you say earlier, Erica, all of these wounds, all of this illusion, essentially it's, it's simply covering up who we truly are and who we truly mm -hmm. are is love and peace. So it's however can we just get back to that, right? However can we get right. back to that? Well, and, and just one, one more thing that I want to add to that because you mentioned fighting with your partner. So here's a tip. If you, wanna, if you feel triggered by your partner, give yourself a timeout. Just say, hey, you just triggered me. I need a few minutes just to figure out why you triggered me. And I love you and I don't want to fight. And then you can just be with yourself, feel that emotion, that what it is. Let yourself fully feel it. Let yourself cry. You have duck, ear duck, tear ducts. Um, let yourself use them. And then you can go back and say, thank you so much. I didn't know this was within me. Now we can have a conversation. Beautiful. So beautiful. <sighs> so before I let you go, and before our mm -hmm. listeners let us go, uh, I 
two more questions. I love to ask each of my guests because this is the Being Inspired radio show. After all, I love to know what inspires you. So first question, who is a source of inspiration for you and why? The hmm. first one that popped in my head, there were there are several. Um, Joseph Campbell. Uh, follow your bliss. The whole premise that each one of us has something that ignites us, that brings us this this vibrancy that that only we can know, is such a profound and amazing quest that each one of us is called to. I love that answer so much. And what's really lighting me up right now is I think back to my first love. So this goes so well with the theme when I was 15 years old and, and this, you know, the first love of my life, I would say he had that quote written somewhere in his room. I remember, and he would always write it, follow your bliss. And I, I mean, what? So thank you for taking me back to that time and that memory and giving such a beautiful explanation of what that means to you. Wow. So, so stunning. Thank you. Thank you. Second question. Mm -hmm. What place or activity most inspires you right now? Mm. Dang it. That's a big question. Okay. Twofold. First is my garden. Uh, it's a sacred space. I have blessed it. I've had uh, solstice and equinox rituals there. Um, and it just feels like such a magical place because I've invested the energy into it. And I've seen it shift from 50 people to a community in the space of one season. So that's part one. And the second part is stemmed from um, two months ago, one of my beloved friends, Shafali, had um, got married and she had dancing in between appetizers and dinner. And one of her friends got up and did this mating ritual dance. And how present she was in her body dancing. I like I grew up in Connecticut and we do not dance like that in Connecticut and I was just so blown away by how connected she was with her soul in her body dancing this amazing story that I was like I want to do that so I downloaded some Indian folk music and I just closed my eyes and I danced as slowly as I possibly can and I just let myself feel the flow because that's what connects me with my body and that just, that, it's just, yeah, that. I don't have words. I love it. <laughs> I'm inspired to dance to some Indian music now. So thank you. This is why we share what it's You're welcome. Ways we can inspire others. Last question. And uh, <laughs> I have a feeling this might be slightly challenging for you, but the question is, what is one book that has inspired you on your journey? <laughs> oh you're funny <laughs> oh man okay um i'll give you a very recent one that is just blowing my head off with the the philosophy and the spirituality and the 
academic. It's like this combination of all three, and it's just amazing. It's called Evolutionary Herbalism by a guy named Saja Popham. And I read one chapter, and I just have to put it down and process it because it's just so, because it's the universality of us all. It's connecting us all. It's animism. It's, it's just this, this is it. This is, the, this is like an academic, philosophical, spiritual, all-in-one like understanding of how it all is. Nice. Evolutionary herbalism. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. We'll link to it and go look it up on the Google if you're intrigued. All right, Erica, this has been as amazing, if not more than I imagined. And I want to make sure that all of those listening know where to find you. If they want to learn more about your vow of peace, if they want to know more about what you're up to, if they want to know more about the book that will eventually be coming out in the name of love, um, or listen to the podcast, where can they find you? Where can they go? Uh, so um, podcast is called All Things in the Name of Love. I'm on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio. I think that's it. Um, and that's the primary forum you can find me at. You can find me on Twitter at Erica's VOs, on LinkedIn as Erica Reesberg, and on Facebook at Erica Reesberg. Amazing. So do look up her podcast, go check her out on social media, see what she's up to. Stay tuned for more wonderful things coming out from her. Um, and, and thank you all for listening to this show. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so that you are notified of these amazing conversations that I am blessed to be a part of uh, every single week. And if you like it, please share it with someone, rate it, review it, make sure more and more people learn about these messages of inspiration and specifically these messages of love and peace. Because as we talked about today, it always starts with each of us and we all want it. So let's do our part to be that and to spread that in the world. Erica, thank you so much for being here with us today. You are so welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. Mm, my pleasure. And everyone listening, thank you for taking 45, 55 minutes out of your day with us to, to deepen into who you truly are. And until next time, many blessings. <laughs>